Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly. I'm Philippa B and I am joined by Jeremy Smith. Hi, Jez. Hello. And Connor Ketley. Hi, Connor. Hi, Phil. So, which song are we singing at the moment? Is it On et en finale, on et en finale, on et on et on et en finale? Or, alternatively, football vient chez soi, il vient chez soi. Il vient chez soi. How happy, festive and focused are we feeling after uh, France beat Belgium 1-0 in the semi-final? Jez, your emotional uh, thoughts right now. <laughs> um, so far, so good. Um, <laughs> I'm extremely happy that we're in the final, but I was extremely happy that we we're in the final two years ago. And um, I think possibly everyone got a little bit carried away after... Um, beating Germany and thinking of oh, now we've got a relatively straightforward final. Um, and I think certainly the reaction of the, the players and Deschamps, particularly those who were there two years ago, um, are very much ones of, yeah, one more stage to go. Um, we're not going to get carried away. We're not going to take anything for granted. Um, Pogba gave a, an excellent as, as ever press conference today and, you know, said I remember very well the feeling of defeat I remember how much I hated my holiday after the final I don't want to go through that again mm. so mirroring that as a fan um, I'm very excited and very hopeful but you know we're certainly not there yet mm. I think he also in that press conference he gave a uh, a brilliant reference to the diversity of the team I've only got it in front of me in French but basically um He's saying it's like in 98, uh, lots of different backgrounds, lots of different cultures, and the Fr France is, is beautiful like that. Um, it's what we want. Um, and we're all very proud to wear the shirt. Proud, it was quite nice proud to, yes. to have grown up in France and to be French. Um, he, is, he was talking say, about good. the journalists as well. It wasn't even just the team. He was really ah. making it a communal thing. Which um, the other issue at that press conference was, I think it started with uh, Umtiti, who they managed to introduce as Paul Umtiti. So he kind of fainted a walk out in a huff and then the uh, announcer recovered to say, and he will be followed by Samuel Pogba. Um, so I thought that was quite sweet. So the, yeah, the mood in the, in the camp seems, as you say, realistic, but good um connor how are you um kind of seeing the the overall kind of uh, emotions and chances as we we go to sunday's final yeah i think on the on the pogba uh, i suppose theme of things uh he did say didn't he similar to well more or less everyone else that um they're being a bit more cautious this time i think yeah, he said that uh, they basically felt like they'd won euro 2016 before the final even kicked off um you know portugal weren't the biggest team in Europe and Croatia aren't the biggest team in the world either. So uh, this time they're going to be paying in, uh, paying a lot more respect, um, uh, being a lot more cautious about how they go about the game. So that's good to see. Um, I think we're all, you know, feeling quite similar. I know I for one um, thought that France would clean up against Portugal, but it wasn't to be. Um, and I guess we just have to really pay a lot of respect to Croatia, especially, you know, seeing how they've pulled through the games. have got such good resilience. Uh, in, in extra time yesterday, they just looked they looked dead on their feet, but they still wanted it so yeah. much more than the English, um, which I think was what really brought them through in the end. Mm. I noticed one, I was checking some other stats earlier and I just 
sort of the FIFA front pages, Luka Modric has run further than anybody else, 63 kilometres over the six games so far. Now, 10k a game is not that unusual, but we've done it in every game. I yes. mean, the the amount of effort they've put in has been mm. quite astonishing. So they've effectively played one more game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, you know, I kind of appreciate that but I mean before the England game people were saying oh they'll be tired and yeah they were but it didn't stop them so now people anybody saying oh they'll be tired it's like well maybe not necessarily I think one thing we've seen today is quite a lot of them complaining about kind of being underrated despite the fact most of what I saw before the match was you know, basically don't underrate Croatia and nobody was underrating them. They were all being extremely rated. Um, and that's something we're, we're going to have to, obviously, we'll come on to a bit later. Um, but looking at the, the Belgium game, 1-0 kind of looks tight. There was the goal on uh, 51 minutes uh, um City header from, um, I think it was a Griezmann delivery. Um, and then I think um, I noticed Mike Cayley saying this uh, a bit more in the um, in his um, roundup of the, the quarterfinal. This France team will go as far as its defence takes them. For all the talk of you know the wonderful attacking options and everything, it is the defence which is key to this. And they put in a really mature and solid performance without being negative. That 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 was my feeling. Um, so in terms of the approach, it was quite conservative, but it was very effective. Um, is What was your kind of interpretation of how they set up and how they played, particularly after you know, a tense first half, but then when they went ahead? Connor, how, how would you kind of see the, the tactics playing out throughout that game? Yeah, but pretty much as you mentioned, um, I mean, it was conservative to a certain extent, but they also had the better chances. Um, mm. So, you know, you, you've got to play the game, really. You can't just go and let the likes of Hazard just have free runs at you. You can't let Lukaku play his mm. game. You've got to, uh, you know, respect the opponent. You've got to play to it, um, which France did France did perfectly. Um, you know, looking uh, throughout the match, I thought France had the better chances. Uh, they took one of their chances, which wasn't even their best chance. Uh, you know, Talisa went close uh, once and then a couple of good saves from Courtois. So I, I think it was fully, fully deserved that win, even if Belgium were a bit bitter about it. Mm. Um, Jez, would you, would you concur with that? How did you see the kind of the balance of play overall? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the same as Connor, really. I, Deschamps there to do a job. The team are there to do a job. They're there to win the World Cup. And Hazard can say, I'd rather win, uh, I'd rather lose with this Belgium and win with this France that's bollocks come on mm. he, he would given the choice he'd win it anyway he, anyway it came to him mm. um, as would anyone else and um, as we've said so many times before Deschamps' job isn't to please the you know the armchair fans in England or Spain or Belgium or anywhere else his job is to try to deliver the World Cup um, and France played it tactically very well if yeah they'd have been murdered if they gave Hazard and De Bruyne to not mm. not necessarily but you give that front three who, who are truly world class too much space too much time then they're, they're going to punish you so the, mm. the defense is excellent 
and um, the tactics to hit them on the break. Okay, they're only one goal in the end and it came from a set piece, but you know, the, at the end of the day, Belgium had more possession, but mm. Lukaku barely got a touch. Yep. Um, France, in terms of shots, I think outscored Belgium 19 to 99. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were only camped, camped in their own, you know, yeah, yeah. 30 yards and doing absolutely nothing else. So, you know, I've just seen today, um, Munier has been criticizing Mbappe. Yeah, okay, no one likes too much play acting, but this is what, I'm sorry, it's what, it's what a lot of the top players do, and it's how you win things. And, you know, particularly, um, there's a very good article actually about Lecky, on Lekip about it, about the wasting time, and it's not, it's not, you can understand why it's not popular, it's frustrating while you're on the, while you're on the other side. I hate it as much as anyone else, but it's what, many winning teams do mm. and you know it really is following the atletico model mm. which is kind of makes a bit of sense when you've got players like griezmann there and is also quite ironic considering that thibault courtois was one of the biggest critics of france and was mm. also the atletico goalkeeper for three years and no one heard him <laughs> complaining then i think courtois Played, definitely played his part. Looking at the, the XG for this, I've taken off has France at 1.9, Mike Cayley has them at 1.8, which suggests that they were also held back by a very good defence on playing anybody else. That approach would have would have garnered more goals. But on the um, on the Belgian side, I've taken off has them at 0.4 and Cayley has them at 0.5. Basically, as you said, they did basically throw a, a wet blanket over three of the best attacking players in the world, which, you know, is an impressive thing to do. I mean, one thing um, I kind of noticed was um, the shape is still wonky, but still working in that there was kind of still no left wing. And when you look at the pass maps, um, and Alf Tegenoff uh, puts these up on, on his feed, uh, on their feed, um, you could see that there is a gap at left wing. And basically the Belgian passing was mostly company Alderweireld and then up to Nasser Chadley, who was kind of playing as a kind of auxiliary right back, who was pushing up kind of almost to the forward line to be in the space that Matuidi wasn't, as it were, but just couldn't get any further than that, that they were pushed back and damped down. Um, meanwhile, basically the deepest lying defender was actually the left back Jan Vertong and because of you know the whole Mbappe situation so they really did a good job of um, kind of compacting Belgium into into the middle of the field and they were basically pinging about between the between the defenders and not getting an awful lot forward you saw how frustrated I think De Bruyne was getting um, throughout the match so that formation as you said as I said still wonky but still working do we think that's going to be what, what goes on in the final as well? Because Giroud was not good necessarily in that game, but I still think he's vital to the structure. Uh, Connor, do you have any, any views on, on the formation or the selection there? Yeah, I, I don't see why it should change, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, plain and simple, it's, um, you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> so it's been working well. Um, I don't see any reason to change um, the way it's going as well. Um, was it Strinic as well for Croatia picked up an injury last night so uh, you know their left back could be uh, one of their full backs could be a bit more amateur Ooh. so that could be even better for Mbappe um, I don't see any reason to change personally mm. 
I mean, the one point when I got a little bit nervous, because I do nervous quite a lot, was um, when France's first sub kind of with at 84 minutes was to take Giroud off and bring on Stephen Zonzi and compare and contrast that with um, Belgium at, at kind of an hour in taking off Dembele and bringing on Dries Mertens. It was like one side's going for this and you, I just really hope that kind of defensive change didn't didn't um, leave us uh, leave us short at the end. But then, of course, we also had Matuidi going off for Tolisso. Matuidi... It wasn't clear whether he was taken off because he'd been basically knocked out or had um, or was having other issues. It looks now like it's a rib problem and um, he was hit hard in the chest rather than in the head. But we've all seen the pictures. Um, if he isn't available, I mean, Tolisso has played in the past. What you know, what would be, would that be your change if Matuidi isn't fit or isn't 100%, Jez? Yeah, as Connor said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think mm-hmm. that applies for that applies to um, the uh, Uruguay match when Matuidi wasn't there. Um, I think, I wouldn't even call it that wonky. I thought Matuidi did, for the most part, stay. Um, I thought he, he actually sort of played more on the left side than, than he did against... Um, against Argentina and at times did pop up as as a winger and caused problems in that way. And I think that probably not led to, to the injury or whatever, but, you know, he took a big whack from Hazard. It wasn't and a foul, then, but it was a big whack. And then another one. You... Well, I, I just, I think he was absolutely shattered. <laughs> I mean, he'd run himself to the gra- into the ground um, for the cause, as they all did. Mm. And particularly, I think, as Drew did. Drew, I think, I think he was possibly suffering from cramps, but it was also an incident, I think, in the, possibly in the first half. I can't remember when exactly, where he was accidentally caught and I think took quite a nasty knock to, to his calf. But the same again, I mean, I'm not going to deny he was pretty, I was going to say pretty poor. I mean, most of the chances he got on target, although they don't count as on target, apparently, if it comes off a defender rather than a mm. keeper. which is They, they rid- call it blocked. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. You know, the one that led to the goal, uh, led to the corner that led to the goal was clearly going to be on target and the one with that fantastic Mbappe flick was was on target mm. um, it feels like even the you know the arbitrary rules are made to, to <laughs> pick on Giroud but the bottom line is that Giroud and Griezmann I and mean, Griezmann didn't create too many chances either but they were also the first defenders and I do think there's something to be said we've said it before mm. about Cavani as well and our more sort of kind kind of comments about him that when you're working your ass off and going back and forth and back and forth, you are a little less lucid when you get those chances. Mm. And um, I think that was definitely the case for, for Giroud and, and Griezmann to a lesser extent as well. Um, so I think when Giroud went off, yeah, well, there's, there's a kind of shit, what if they equalise and we've got rid of one of our strikers? But at mm. the same time, I think it made total sense because yeah. at that point, Giroud was mainly playing as a, a midfielder at best, a defender mm. at worst. And, um, and for Steven and Zonzi to come come on, it meant that they still had the height, which he used immediately with a actually not very good header that almost caused a bit more panic. But um, I think that was a sensible substitution as well. Mm. I think um, I, I watched uh, kind of all the post-match interviews and I mean, he did, he looked gutted actually and said, um, you know, he, he could have played better, but 
you know, because kind of reassuring everybody that France will give everything in the final. They had Wenger in the studio, Arsene Wenger in the studio, who said that he was very happy for Olivier Giroud, despite not having played brilliantly, because eight years ago he was at Grenoble, he was at Tours, and his progression through, you know, going to Montpellier, winning the winning league, and going to Arsenal, going to Chelsea, shows that he has great force mentale. Uh, was the exact phrase he used. So a uh, little bit mental strength is being mentioned by uh, Olive's ex ex manager, as as we might expect. I now, think to have the to kind of put up with the abuse he gets, like in mm. stadiums and outside stadiums, purely because his name isn't Karim Benzema, um, <laughs> and to to keep his head up and everything, I think is fantastic. And mm. I don't, I mean, well, I was going to say I don't think anyone would begrudge him. I think a hell of a lot of people would begrudge him, <laughs> but, but they I, shouldn't. I genuinely do. think that if, <laughs> if he if he scored in the final. Even if it's in the first five minutes and it doesn't mean we've won, I genuinely think I might shed a tear or two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he just—you could tell—he just wanted it too much in that semi. Yeah, well, I think if we we look back to we mentioned the defence. Um, I just looked at Lekip's poll they do after every match for who was the man of the match. They had uh, when I checked, which was this morning, so this might have changed. But with forty-four thousand votes in, uh, Hugo Lloris was first with thirty-eight percent, and Varane was next on 34% because while Umtiti got the goal this time, Varane was um, really, really immense. You mentioned in the last pod, Jez, how kind of measured and mature and calm he is. And I think we we really saw that uh, against Belgium. I got a bit of abuse for saying it, but (laughs) I'll stand by it. I don't care just because he's a defender and not a striker. I think that was as good a performance as Zidane's against Brazil in 2006. Mm. I thought um, there was one one dodgy defensive moment that, that led to a Belgian chance, the one that I think has hit wide, narrowly wide in the first half. Apart from that, I thought he was absolutely faultless and just superb. It was really, really one of the best defensive performances I remember seeing. Mm. So... The next step, the final, Croatia, who beat England 2-1. England went ahead through a given Trippier free kick, which was lovely. England then, I think, attempted to kind of shut things down and, and, and contain the game. And, and Croatia just powered through. And in the second half, they were, they were really making chances and they were really pushing forward. Um, England missed a couple of... Uh, a couple of good occasions and Croatia really street smarted their way through this. The third time that they've gone to 120 minutes um, in the knockout stages. And you keep thinking they must be knackered. Um, by the end of it, they, they clearly were knackered, but they still kept going. Um, what do we see? What or who do we see as the biggest threats to France coming from Croatia, Akana? Who would you or what would make you scared? <laughs> Naturally, um, you know, Modric's the easiest, the easiest to point out. But I actually think um, Ivan Perisic has been gone so under the radar um, just because, you know, his two Classico teammates, Modric and Rakitic, have really been taking the headlines. Um, Perisic's his crossing is absolutely incredible. Um, obviously, Varane uh, and Amtissi have been on great form. Uh, so that will be one to watch. But I, I think Perisic really getting down that wing and attacking, uh, he's, a bit, he's such a different 
I suppose, winger to a lot of, you know, you get Hazard um, and Mbappe who are very, uh, sort of have similar styles, but I think Perisic is just so direct and he comes in and, uh, as we saw against England, um, can get on the end of crosses as well as providing them. So, yeah, I think Perisic would be a, a big threat against France. Mm. I noticed, um, I think Dejan Lovren's been saying he has to be recognised <laughs> as one of the best defenders in the world. You don't say that a couple said, of days before, couple the world of days before facing <laughs> um, Mbappe. Um, their defence, I mean, the thing is, I think um, Lovren is the right centre-back, so it would be, you know, the guy with the undercuts, who's it? Uh, Vida, Vida. Is, is the other one, um, who would be more kind of on the Mbappe side. Um, how would, Jez, would you see France kind of getting through that? Is well, I, more I think, of the same dribbling yeah, from I mean, Mbappe? As, as a... As Connor said earlier, the, the, there might be an injury doubt at fullback for for Croatia anyway. But I mean, Sterling as well. I thought had had quite a lot of joy yesterday with his speed, um, and he didn't quite have the end product at times. But mm. Mbappe, you know, certainly in the form he's shown so far, is more likely to. So I certainly think they can cause a lot of damage there. Um, I I think that. Hopefully, unless Lovren proves himself right, I think Giroud should be able to get mm. um, a lot of joy off, off Lovren, although obviously that, that depends on France being managing to put in a, a half-decent cross, which hasn't happened too often. <laughs> say this World Cup, it hasn't happened too often since since Sanyo retired. But um, there's there's areas to be attacked there. But mm. yeah, I think I, I'd agree with Connor. I think that Croatia's strengths are, are sort of going forward. I think um, Modric and Rakitic down the middle. Perisic was superb yesterday. Mandzukic has kind of done it done it all before and, and shown that he's a man for the big occasions, mm. going in Champions League finals as well. So um, certainly, I think that the defence needs to be um, you know, as solid as they were in the semi-final to, to mm. keep Croatia out. And um, I, the other thing is, however, I was going to say, however tired Croatia looked at the end. The funny thing is, I thought they, they started off the match looking tired and actually mm. seemed to get more and more energy <laughs> during the match. And it was England who tired. So, yeah. you know, I certainly don't think that at any point France can relax and say this is, you know, unless they're mm. several goals up. I don't think at any point they can say this this is a done deal because mm. Croatia have just shown such amazing heart. Um, you know, France have been behind for nine minutes this this tournament. So, you know, if they fall behind, they will be tested in a way they haven't yeah. been before. Whereas Croatia have been behind in the last three matches, so it's not going to phase them too much if it happens mm. again. I think also if if kind of if their strengths are on kind of the attacking side of things, um, in order to rebalance that to give France's attack a chance to to get in there and get a goal, obviously the midfield. Um, and the way in which the midfields, the midfields kind of interact is going to be very interesting. So obviously we're thinking we're we're going Kante, Pogba definitely, Matuidi if fit, which we seriously hope he is because the amount of work that man puts in is is astonishing. Um, are they going to, in a sense, keep the same roles? Is somebody going to um, kind of change the approach to deal with any of these um, kind of attacking forces coming towards them if we're looking at 
kind of trying to protect the wings. Is somebody going to move a bit sideways to, to help out the fullbacks? Connor, how do you see the midfield kind of setting mm. up as normal or with little tweaks? Still is normal, to be honest. Um, it's very tempting to kind of man mark someone like Modric to, to prevent them getting the ball out straight away. Um, but then Kante is also so good at intercepting those balls that are put through and reading the game. So, mm. you know, there's I suppose a bit of a difficulty there. I, I think I'd rather have Kante sitting a bit deeper and ready to mop up rather than just man marking Modric, who might sit a bit deeper himself. Uh, making it a bit harder to man mark him in that sense. So I'd expect pretty similar, uh, yeah. pretty similar to what we've seen. Also, you do I get the impression I... that maybe Croatia would be smart enough to notice if something like man marking happened and kind of try to go round it. Yeah. Um, if you see what I mean? The, again, the kind of the street smarts, experienced uh, side of things. Jez, I, th- I think Kante more or less did that with with De Bruyne in mm. in. Uh, in the mm. semi-final, it wasn't quite man marking him, but I think Kante seems to be able to give people a ten, a ten meter head <laughs> yes. start anyway. There, there was an eye on him at all times. Yeah, exactly. know, out of and the corner of your eye, maybe, but definitely an eye. I think he could man mark two people. Yeah, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> probably. <true. laughs> um, the interesting one in that one was kind of Pogba and Fellaini, which kind of started with Fellaini man marking Pogba and ended with Pogba man marking Fellaini, which I don't. I am so that. surprised that didn't actually just descend into a massive fight. But well done for both of them for not <laughs> not really doing that. <clears throat> but yeah, I, th- I think Kante will probably be charged with keeping an eye on on Modric most of all. But uh, Modric is such a clever player, and you know he's not expected to to push as far forward as De Bruyne can, and um, he'll you know he'll happily um, sort of probably sit deeper to try to, to lure Kante out of position. So I think they need to be aware of that. I thought what France did very well in the last match was um, Deschamps basically said, leave leave, you know, leave the three centre-backs to it. Um, I yeah. trust that they're, they're not going to do too much with the ball and, base, and ask Giroud and Griezmann to, to block off service to Dembele and, and Witzel. So I'm not sure if they'll, they'll sort of do more of the same in this match. Yeah. Um, but that obviously was very effective. So, the key question. <laughs> Predictions. What do we think will happen? How do we think it'll go? Who will score? Who will be brilliant? Who will be terrible? Any, what, what do you think is going to happen? Connor? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Jez will uh, put on the... The pessimistic side so i'm going to be the optimist again you're you're wearing <laughs> um rich's hat of positivity yes uh this definitely. week well done i uh, i really don't want to attempt fate but i'm just going to say what i think <laughs> i think france will win this by a couple of goals um i think maybe two nil france um i mean we we all thought croatia would be out on their feet against england they did look knackered in extra time but they also you know had the the mental strength to pull through um, but as we said, three extra times, that's a whole another 90 minutes that they've played. Um, easy to underestimate them for that. But I think France will just be a bit too much. So I'm going to go with 2-0 France. And Jeremy, what do you think? I think that uh, Loris <laughs> has been playing so well and Titi's been playing so well that they're, they've bound to make a mistake at some point it's obviously going to be in the final you know Croatia have got three three extra times coming from behind each time I just I think their name's on the cup so I'm slightly concerned 
So your prediction is? <laughs> One nil Croatia. Right. I think that this they will approach this similar to the game against Belgium and they will have the same result, hopefully, that the defence has been solid throughout and so will continue to be. Um, and I think it will be 1-0 France, but um, there will be more chances, but it will be a solid 1-0. Oh, God. What have I done? Uh, no, I'm doing this also because uh, Marek uh, Kwiatkowski has been um, playing with uh, statistical models to help his wife win uh, an office um, sweepstake, I think. <clears throat> they may not know the assistance she's getting. He's modelled all of the scores and he has 1-0 uh, to France as the, the biggest percentage chance, then 1-0 to Croatia as the second biggest and 2-1 um, uh, to France as the third biggest. So, you know, it's. I think it's going to be tight. I really hope that Connor's right and they um, <laughs> put a couple past them and that the defence keeps another clean sheet. I, I think this is like, going to be tight and tense. I was chatting to a couple of people the other day who said that they hope that France win 2-0 with goals from Giroud and Kante and Hernandez gets himself sent off in amazing style just for the <laughs> hell of it in the last minute. <laughs> Oh, I really, really hope if there's a goal, I really hope it is Olive. Because he's taken so many pelters. And the man always takes pelters. And he doesn't deserve pelters. Like I said, he wasn't brilliant against Belgium. But he is crucial to the structure. You look at how much better organised they look than against that, that first match against Australia when it was just yeah. a front three was like kittens attacking a ball of wool. I don't know. Um, Which is exactly he, what all the idiots criticising him don't understand, but he, would if it was there to He gives, he gives um, a degree of structure at the front of at the front of the group, which I think is as key as, in a sense, the one person, Hugo, with the structure at the back. You've got those two points and everybody else moves within those two points. And that is really really vital what so, i'd really like <clears throat> is for it to be so comfortable that at the end deshaun can bring on Ariola and rami so that everyone will have played, <laughs> played part but. well in my in my um donation tally for uh football against homophobia uh how many goals are we at the moment is it 10 yeah nine right but anyway ten. um so i'm giving five euros a goal uh, to them, but I did say originally it would be a five euro bonus for any goal by Adil Rami, and <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest here. That means if he scores an own goal for, for the other side, I will still give the five euro bonus. Um, so yeah, that it, that would be nice. I kind of hope it's comfortable enough that Talisa gets a, another couple of minutes and gets to, you know, rough things up a bit in his own way because. Uh, um, yeah, it is. It is nice to see everybody get a crack. So we'll we'll mm. see. But so those are our, our predictions. We got Connor saying two nil, me saying one nil for France. Jez being his usual karmic hedging pessimistic self and saying Croatia are going to win, which we all know what that means really. Uh, so we're now just going to have to wait and see. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be tense. It's going to be tight. 
and we will be back early next week hopefully wearing rich's hat of positivity between us uh, to round up everything that's happened and review the tournament as a whole so i've been philippa b i've been joined by jeremy smith thanks jez thank you and connor ketley thanks connor <laughs> cheers and we will we will speak to you next week and allez les bleus